0: When a new psychiatric hospital opened in Portland in 2017, politicians and healthcare officials cheered. The Unity Center for Behavioral Health was pitched as the premier psychiatric facility in the region. It's been anything but. In three short years, Unity has been plagued by budget woes, multiple deaths, lawsuits, and investigations. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with The Oregonian. Up next, a conversation with Molly Harbarger and Brad Schmidt. We talked about their investigation into Unity's financial troubles, what the hospital was supposed to accomplish in the first place, and how the California facility, it used as a gold standard and model for the type of care officials wanted to provide, was long ago mired in chaos. Molly, let's start with you. Um, When did you start looking into what was happening at this uh, brand new uh, psychiatric hospital, uh, Unity Health?
2: So when Unity first opened, I hadn't yet started covering health. And uh, so it had been open for about a year when I first got a tip that there had been a death at the facility. Um, We had previously written about how the... Um, Person running Unity didn't have her medical license in the U.S., but was saying she was a doctor. Mm -hmm. So there had been some amount of scandal. But when I went to the Oregon Health Authority and asked about the death and then received a report that showed they had done a sweeping investigation um, and found lots of patient safety problems, including um, a death Uh, that was the first time that we I started covering the story and that we really started seeing what was going on at Unity.
0: When it opened um, I remember this being a big deal but can you refresh uh, listeners minds of why this place exists and kind of what it's supposed to do?
2: Yeah um, previously not all the hospital systems, but a lot of the hospital systems in the Portland area had their own inpatient um, mental health facilities. And those are largely expensive to run. Um, none of them, from what I understand, had great buildings. They were also running into the problem of people who are in severe psychiatric crisis. Maybe they're in a state of psychosis. Mm-hmm. Maybe they are suicidal um, or are they had no other choice but to go to these medical emergency rooms where they would sit around other people who were like, you know, maybe they were sitting next to someone who has the flu and then on the other side is um, has been stabbed. And so it just wasn't a great fit. But also the ERs weren't set up to help people in psychiatric crisis. And so they would be sitting for hours and days waiting to get help while they are, you know, severely agitated or depressed or aggressive to other people. Mm-hmm. And so four of these hospital systems that were running their own inpatient facilities, Adventist Health, Kaiser Permanente, OHSU, and uh, Legacy Health, decided to come together and put together the Unity Center for Behavioral Health, which went into... Um, a building that Legacy had that used to be uh, an annex of the Oregon State Hospital that had moved out and they fixed it up and they imported this model that they had seen in California that paired a um, ER that's just for mental health patients Mm -hmm. with an inpatient facility Um, and they branded it Unity and they pitched it um, to local and state officials. And so a lot of people were very excited because the idea was that it was supposed to be a more humane, compassionate, um, alternative to sitting in kind of medical ER waiting rooms.
0: And how soon after it opened, I guess, did some of these problems, uh, including, you know, assaults and, and, uh, the death that you mentioned, um, start to happen?
2: Almost immediately. You know, I first started reporting on this because of this, uh, state and federal investigation, mm-hmm. but, um, When I went to the county and requested uh, to see, they run a hotline about um, for any neglect or abuse for any patients in any hospital facility. When I requested all those complaints about Unity, you can see that within the same month or the next month of Unity opening, there were severe allegations of patient abuse, assault, sexual assault, um, medical neglect, that kind of thing.
0: Uh, Molly, you mentioned that this was uh, based on a model down in in California. Brad, um, can you describe what is the Alameda model?
1: Yeah, so the Alameda model was um, coined down at a facility called John George Psychiatric Hospital in Alameda County, California. Uh, There was a guy there, Dr. Scott Zeller, who sort of pioneered this concept of We're going to be this regional uh, psychiatric emergency room for all the hospitals in the county. We're going to do holds for um, police who think that the the person that they've had in contact has uh, some psychiatric issues. And this is going to be our humane, as Molly said, um, place to to bring people. There was a study that was done back in 2013 that got a lot of traction that basically suggested um, that if you – use this model, you will reduce boarding times in local emergency rooms. Boarding times is basically if a psychiatric patient shows up, how long do they have to sit around and wait until they get treated for some psychiatric help? Okay. So if you bring everybody to a place that specializes in psychiatric help, then presumably it's faster. What was interesting about this study was the author was Scott Zeller, the guy who was running the, um, program. So, um, take without what you will. Um, So I got involved uh, last month uh, after the latest uh, uh, news involving Unity, and we just started looking, well, what is this model? And what, what can we figure out about it? And it turns out that um, there have been a lot of issues down there. Um, so at the same time that they were selling it up here as a great thing, um, there was an abundance of evidence that, you know, perhaps it should be looked at with some caution. Specifically, uh, in the early 2000s, a patient killed one of the doctors um, beat uh, beat the doctor to death. Um, There had been a series of um, incidents involving staff safety that the California OSHA had been issuing fine after fine after fine. There were problems. The nurses who worked there had said, this is uh, unsafe. We have way too many people in the psychiatric emergency room. People are sleeping on the floor, essentially. And there was a lot of media coverage, too. And so at the exact moment in the 2015-2016 timeframe, when this was being trotted out in Portland as the next sort of big way to take care of people, Mm -hmm. there was an abundance of evidence from down in California that we should say, well, I don't know if this how, how this is going to work.
0: And from your reporting, um, some of the Portland uh, elected officials or county officials who were all on board this model, they weren't aware of, of the problems, right, Molly, that were uh, already happening down in California?
2: It is unclear whether um, Legacy Health, which was kind of pitching everyone on the Alameda model, um, they didn't specify whether they knew that there were problems at the time, but people who became advocates for the project say they also didn't know either because they weren't told by legacy or they hadn't done any in looking into it themselves.
0: Um, What else uh, popped up in your reporting um, when you were looking at the Alameda model?
1: Well, we talked to some of the nurses who worked down there and they told us one of them said that he pulled somebody aside who worked, uh, who was up here from Portland visiting and said, look, this is bowl and... uh, Fill in the blank. (laughs) Yeah, fill in the blank. And it's dangerous. And uh, whether and how that message got relayed uh, back home is unclear. Um, Just to echo what Molly said, we asked Legacy, which is responsible. They're the main operator of this facility. It's a four-hospital partnership, but Legacy is the one that's in charge. Did you know about these concerns with Alameda County? Mm -hmm. And if so, who did you tell? And they wouldn't answer the question. And so... That's an interesting position for this hospital system to take at a time when they have their handout asking the state for potentially millions of dollars more to help subsidize their operations.
0: Well, that's a good segue uh, to the financial situation here. Um, I guess, how is this? How is Unity funded and what's their um, what kind of trouble are they in right now in terms of their
1: budget? So Unity has gone to the state and said that they uh, – are operating at a $21 million annual loss, and they say that they actually envisioned only a $6 million annual loss. They say, well, we knew this was going to be a money loser, but just not to this capacity, So, they cited a couple of things. They said, well, there's been some staffing increases based on the investigations from 2018. There's been a new state law that we've had to factor in some stuff. There's been some capital costs. But the thing that they have mainly focused on is the issue of inpatient beds. Now, again, this facility has sort of two components there's a psychiatric emergency room Mm -hmm. that was expected to get about 50 people a day, and then there's an inpatient facility of 107 beds, 85 of those are for adults. And that's for people who are supposed to stay for, you know, about seven to 10 days. They're saying that they are taking people on the inpatient side of the equation who qualify for care at the Oregon State Hospital because of psychosis, but they're unable to transfer those people to the state hospital because the state hospital is full. And they are saying that because of that, it's creating problems for us. And our solution, they use the word solution in their pitch, is that the state hospital uh, allocation for per patient which is about fourteen hundred and fifty dollars a day should also apply to them. They're currently only getting eight hundred and thirty-four dollars per day for a patient who qualifies for care at the state hospital but mm-hmm. can't go there. So they want you know six hundred some odd dollars more per day for each patient. On its face, you kind of say, well maybe that's reasonable. I don't know. Like let's look into this. It's and expensive so, care, right? It's to expensive care. care to this yeah. population. So we looked into it and what we what we were able to figure out is through some reverse engineering, at their crisis point when they said they have too many people, we we have people backed up. This is terrible. Thirty percent of the beds were occupied by people who had qualified for the state hospital, and this is at their worst point. So we just did the reverse engineering of thirty percent of beds, which would be about thirty three beds at mm-hmm. most, at the extra six hundred dollars a day. What, what what does that what does that cost? What do you get? And it comes out to, at most, about $7.4 million. Now, again, they say they're operating at a $21 million loss, and their solution is something that would, at most, bring them $7.4 million. So right off the bat, the math doesn't seem to add up. And then if you look at it a little more closely and you actually look at, well, what's been their historic number of people that would be transferring over to the state hospital? Mm -hmm. It was more like 15 people. So if you do that math and you just assume for the entire year that that's how it would work out, that's only $3.4 million. So we dug in and we, we aren't quite sure how, how this math is uh, really the solution. We, we took that to unity and they said, well, you know, it's, it's part of the bigger equation.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and Molly, where are they asking for this money? Are they asking for public money to help bridge this gap?
2: Because of federal Medicaid laws, Medicaid won't pay for care at the Oregon State Hospital. Um, you can possibly get a waiver. Oregon has chosen not to do that. Um, and so all of that money comes from the state general fund. Um, the legislature allocates a pot of money for people at the Oregon State Hospital and they draw down from that. So unity would be pulling from that same pot. They already do, um, at the lower rate. There are other psychiatric hospitals in, um, The Portland area. Providence runs about 107 beds at four different facilities. Cedar Hills has 94 beds um, in southwest Portland. And they all have those same issues with um, holding people who are waiting for placement at the Oregon State Hospital. They all get that same rate. And so Unity is asking for even more of that state funding.
0: And uh, lawmakers are meeting right now down in Salem for their short session. Um, I would imagine this is one of the issues they're discussing.
2: So far, it is unclear. The Oregon Health Authority is meeting right now with Legacy and other players, the county, um, Multnomah County. And um, they say that they're analyzing Legacy's books and they're in conversation and they're going to, if there's going to be a recommendation, it has to come from the Oregon Health Authority to the legislature. So far, that hasn't happened. And also this session, we are looking at other asks around behavioral health because the Oregon State Hospital is full. They're asking for $20 million more million to reopen a facility in Junction City that was built and then used briefly and then has been shuttered right. since then. And there's requests from Multnomah County for funding for their proposed behavioral health center downtown. There's just a few things going on. This one hasn't surfaced, but there is still time.
0: So I guess you've kind of alluded to some of these facilities are full. Where do we stand in Oregon compared to nationally, or do we have um, a health crisis here when it comes to mental health?
2: Oregon is kind of uniquely abysmal in its mental health system. It routinely ranks at the bottom of um, many metrics that are used used nationally to um, figure out how well you're serving patients. So we have the lowest rate of access. So if you are a person who is mentally ill, you have the least ways to access help in Oregon than any other state. Um, At the same time, we have astronomically high suicide rates um, and uh, really high metrics of people with um, some sort of mental illness. I think some metrics put us at one in four. Um, And so we have what is pretty much universally acknowledged, a broken system. We don't have much money going from the state into behavioral health issues, which is both mental health and addiction, which often are grouped together because they happen together for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. We just hired a new behavioral health director, Steve Allen, who um, is kind of tasked with reforming this system. However, so far, there haven't been any big Seismic changes, but they have made looking at retaining and paying people who do mental health care better um, a priority, uh, among other things.
0: Um, maybe just taking a step back, how do people end up at these facilities?
2: Places like Unity? Yeah,
0: places like Unity, psychiatric hospitals. I mean, are, are people walking in or are they being, um, you know, are, are police involved? I guess it, it, probably a variety of ways, right?
2: Yeah, it's kind of all of the above. Any person can walk off the street into a emergency room. Um, and in theory, Unity, um, you can be put on an involuntary hold. So if you have an encounter with police or... Um, a doctor can put you on an involuntary hold if you seem like an immediate danger to yourself or others, and then you would be transported to a place like Unity or another facility. Um, Or you can be transferred um, by ambulance if you are in a place that uh, you've, like, walked into a medical emergency room. Mm -hmm. They might send you somewhere else to get treated.
0: Um, What do we know about uh, the people that have died at Unity uh, since it opened and how they died?
2: So there have been... Three confirmed deaths. Um, One was uh, because a patient was supposed to be um, evaluated for a medical condition. Um, Some of these reports can be a little bit um, vague on details because they don't want to give too much away about a single patient.
0: Right, patient confidentiality laws and whatnot.
2: But essentially it was chalked up to how staff had... um, they knew that they were supposed to run tests. A patient was having a hard time swallowing liquids. Um, those tests never happened, and then the patient died. Um, another time, a patient who had shown so many signs of being suicidal, they had attempted suicide, they had been found fashioning a noose, they had been cutting themselves, and then were admitted to unity. And while there, they had shown, several, again, several signs of um being actively suicidal. They were supposed to be checked on every 15 minutes um, and then monitored by video when asleep. The bathroom door was supposed to be locked. Mm -hmm. They were not supposed to be given anything that they might be able to strangle themselves with. Um, But those things didn't happen. They weren't checked on. The bathroom door was never locked. They were given lens and scrubs and ended up hanging themselves on a bathroom door. The third death that happened after Unity's investigation was over has been ruled of natural causes.
0: Okay. Let's take a break and we can talk about some more of your reporting and where we go from here with Unity. Where is Unity located? And have either of you had the opportunity to to tour the facility?
2: Unity is in Northeast Portland, kind of close to the Moda Center. Um, I have been in there because they hold—they have a mental health court where they hold hearings for civil commitment patients, and so I was escorted straight into that hearing room. Um, we've asked several times for a tour of Unity, but uh, Legacy has denied us that.
0: And it's right um, on the—it's right adjacent to i five, basically. Yes. You know, a lot of people I think in Oregon probably know coincidence because, um, you know, Ken Kesey wrote the book and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and it was filmed at the Oregon State Hospital. Um, in their mind, that's what they might think of when they think of a facility like Unity. Um, do you, not having toured it, do you have a sense of whether that depiction is any remotely accurate? And if not, kind of what what does it look and feel like?
2: Well, I've talked to a lot of people who have been there because they have mental illness or are advocates or have toured it in some capacity. And we also know that it's what it's based on. And so the emergency room is supposed to be kind of bright walls, more natural lighting, patients who are there, they stay in, um, They call them recliners, but you want to think more like um, pool deck chairs than like lazy boys. Um, And the lights are on 24 hours a day. And so it's kind of a mix of it's supposed to be a little bit more aesthetically pleasing and calming to someone who might be in an agitated state. You can lay down, but it's not a full um, bed and room until you get to the inpatient side. Mm -hmm. And then it's two people to a room. Okay, Um, A lot of facilities are not like one flew over a cuckoo nest anymore. And that is intentionally so. You know, that kind of captured an era when our response to mental health and mental illness was to put people in institutions and leave them there. And we've backed away a lot from that. A lot of people say maybe too much so um, without putting other support systems in place. But um, however, the treatment, when you look at some of the patient investigation mm-hmm. or the patient safety investigation issues, um, and talk to some people who have had pretty negative experiences there, you are still kind of elbow to elbow with lots of other people who are in pretty severe mental distress. And so you are still getting some pretty negative reactions from a lot of people.
0: From And that's gotta be stressful for, for them as well as for staff, I would imagine.
2: There have been several lawsuits and um, complaints about staff safety because patients have assaulted staff and or staff don't feel like they're being supported by management.
0: Brad, we've heard a lot uh, in this city for years about our housing crisis and um, homelessness crisis, and we talked about our state mental health crisis. Um, I think, you know, the general public may think that you know, most of these people are homeless. Do we have a sense of um, how many uh, folks who end up at Unity um, are experiencing homelessness?
1: Yeah, Christopher Antinos, the former um, Unity director, has made public statements in the past. And at the time, she said something to the effect of about 40% of the people who were coming through the doors in the psychiatric emergency room were uh, experiencing homelessness. And the, the return rate for some of the people was about one in six at the time. And um, you know, they're sort of, well, is that right? What can be done? And it, she, you know, was pretty honest in saying that, unfortunately, it might not be able to to cure that, even with the services that are provided because mm-hmm. of the um, the condition that the people are in and, and, and their lifestyle and whatnot. And so they sort of said, well, what if we go the next level below people who um, haven't perhaps um, reached that level of crisis and um, haven't sort of been in that state for a long period of time? Can we connect them with different services that will help them be maybe a a one-time stop? Um, It's unfortunately right now sort of unclear as to whether that has worked or not, um, but it's definitely something that we are um, looking into.
0: Molly, you've reported on the nexus of, you know, uh, people experiencing homelessness being uh, stopped or arrested or moved or just interacting with uh, police officers. I mean, how much does all of that play into this? You know, we have all these different programs. We're trying to stand up like the Portland Street Response Team. And we've got this facility that's supposed to help people, but it's obviously having a lot of issues.
2: So Portland Street Response is is directly... Uh, a reaction to reporting that the Oregonian did that 52% um, of all arrests in the city are of homeless people um, who make up less than 3% of the total population. A lot of those people do have mental health conditions or addiction issues. Um, And we don't, I think advocates and officials would say across the board, we don't have nearly enough ways to treat them, places to treat them, um, The state has committed in the past several times to increasing what they call community-based care, which is, you know, instead of putting people in institutions, either like Unity or like the Oregon State Hospital, Mm -hmm. um, they can live on their own but have services that come to them and that are supportive and um, that has never come through um, in any meaningful amount. We don't have what Brad was describing, these prevention Services So people become so agitated and acute that they end up going to unity. And by that point, a lot of people say, we've already failed them. And so there is uh, a lot of gaps. And that is clearly driving interactions with police. It's also clearly driving the community's perception of homelessness of, you know, the person yelling on the street corner, the person acting weird on the bus, a lot of that people say could be addressed with more mental health and addiction treatments.
0: And so we failed them, and then we failed them at the place that is supposed to be, you know, the last resort.
2: The state hasn't invested the kind of money um, or had the kind of focus on those kind of services that um, I think a lot of people think we should have. However, you know, when we talk about failing it, that also means that we think it should be fixed. And only in the past, year has that conversation around mental health, especially when it's connected to homelessness and housing issues, really come to the forefront for a lot of people.
0: How much of this is an issue about unity in this particular facility and how much is just illustrative of the challenge of providing health care to this segment of our population in America in 2020?
2: You know, what I hear from when I talk to people is that there are challenges that everybody faces around behavioral health. It's expensive. It's difficult. um, There are going to be mistakes that happen. There are going to be accidents and injuries. Mm -hmm. And especially when you are operating in a state that does have so little access to mental health care, that is looking at such a strong housing crisis, that does have severe addiction issues, you're probably going to run into those issues more. However, we have also found that Unity hasn't taken steps that could have prevented a lot of these issues.
0: Where does this story go from here?
2: We're working on a couple fronts. Um, We have a story coming out about how Cedar Hills, uh, which is one of the few behavioral health inpatient facilities in the Portland area, um, they wanted to open a sister site in Wilsonville. And they applied for that in 2016, uh, the same time that Unity was preparing to launch. And the state denied their application on the grounds that Unity would take care of any need for inpatient beds. So we don't need to give you permission to tap into Medicaid dollars. Mm -hmm. We don't want you competing with Unity um, or other providers because we have this taken care of. And once we get Unity going, our focus is going to be solely on community-based treatment and those other kind of things.
0: So they got this, basically. They got this.
2: Fast forward three years and... Uh, they are, again, Universal Health Services, which owns Cedar Hills, is again applying to open that Wilsonville facility because they're saying, look, this clearly hasn't happened. There's a pent-up demand for inpatient beds. We're taking on Unity's clients because they don't have room. Um, we also have Oregon State Health Hospital clients. And at the same time, Legacy, which, again, owns and operates Unity, is planning to intervene to try and say, no, 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 no. we don't want this Wilsonville facility to open, um, the same as they did before in 2017. So it's a big question whether the state is going to approve this application, which would essentially say we were very wrong in 2017 by blocking out of the market because we wanted to give Unity the chance to um, fix our problems.
0: Given the challenges that Unity faces, is is it in danger of closing? And if so, what would happen?
1: Unity officials have said that they have no intention of closing um, people in the legislature who ultimately could um, help write some checks, essentially, uh, based on Unity's request, have expressed some concern that potentially that could happen. Um, but at this point, there's no indication that anybody expects it to close. I think the question is, is how, how does it become more financially solvent and then obviously fix some of the um, patient safety and staffing safety issues? You know, they've said from from the outset that they are trying to learn as they go and that this is a complex endeavor, um, but they are now three years into it. And so, um, you know, making sure that there is transparency and accountability in how this operates, I think, is going to be uh, at the forefront of the public conversation, um, certainly now and probably into the foreseeable future.
0: Well, thank you both. Your reporting has really shed some light on on this place. And uh, I know that a lot of people are, are reading your work with uh, great interest. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. Read Molly and Brad's coverage of the psychiatric hospital at OregonLive.com slash health, or check out the links in the episode notes. Read my stories on the transportation beat at OregonLive.com slash commuting, or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Thien. You can catch up on past episodes, and we've got a nice catalog now by subscribing to Beat Check anywhere you listen to podcasts. And please, a reminder, if you like the show, leave us a rating and review. It really helps us spread the word. Until next time.